Parsons. And I'm Shauna West. Welcome to the Creative Exponent Podcast. This is a place where we talk about discovering, upholding, and sharing your creativity. everyone and welcome to season three episode 20 of the creative exponent podcast and we actually have a guest earlier than planned which is super exciting and today we have ruth cho simons with us which if you've never heard of her then you're going to today and and you're just in for a real treat so thank you for joining us ruth we're so excited to talk to you i'm so excited to be here thanks you guys so you you have a new book coming out, which we're definitely going to talk about that. But yeah. how I was introduced to you was through this book, which is called Beholding and Becoming. And it's this beautiful hardback book. And what attracted me to it was not only the encouraging message, it's called The Art of Everyday Worship, but your mm-hmm. artwork is just, that's what drew me to you initially. And then, of course, your message is one that's of faith and encouragement and... So, so what I'm interested in hearing about is just your creative journey and your story and how did your artwork come together Mm. with your faith? Because I think some people I know as a pastor's wife and someone who's grown up in the church, it can seem like, like art and here's your art world and here's your church world. And so I'd love to hear just how you started with artwork and then how that started to intermingle with, you know, sharing your message of, of your faith. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I think, you know, when you're a little girl, if you're just the creative type and I always was fidgeting with something and always drawing something. I remember being really young and like literally draw, like not paying attention in class and drawing my left hand with, you know, Mm -hmm. while I was trying to take notes, I'm always (laughs) looking for something to draw. And it didn't seem like an appropriate thing to get a degree in at the time because, (laughs) you know, I mean, I was raised in the Asian American community where I write about that in this new book, but, you know, um, not specifically my parents, but just in general, the community was like, well, if you can be a biochemist, be a biochemist, like, don't be an art major. Like, what are you going to do with that? And so um, I did biochemistry. I went, I started off in college going as far the other direction from art as possible. And um, it's too long of a story for right now, but um, ultimately through a series of um, events and just even just heart issues that weren't necessarily about Jesus, but just kind of like me burning out and being exhausted, striving really hard, which is why, you know, I ultimately wrote this book when striving to cease, but, um, yeah, I ended up giving up on the medical science thing and got my degree in art thinking I was never going to use it. It was just more like, I I need a break. I'm tired of striving. I'm going to go just do something where nobody will expect me to do anything with it. I mean, that was literally right. It's Low expectations. Terrible, like that. a terrible reason, right? But honestly, it's like a, let me just choose something where nobody's going to be disappointed in me, in me because it's going to be such a disappointment already that right. it's, it's like, you know, I know. Let's get honest right off the bat. So that's right. Um, that's right. So yeah. So for years, um, it felt like it was a more spiritual thing to do to go to seminary and to, and it wasn't just that. I mean, ultimately, I mean, I'm fast forwarding quickly here, but ultimately we um, thought we were going to teach English overseas. We were wanting to be missionaries and the Lord kept us here stateside. We were in um, full-time 
local ministry. My husband was a pastor as well at that time. And he was a headmaster of a classical Christian school. And I did nothing but paint once a year, once a year, guys, where we needed a silent auction donation. And that was when I would pull out my paints and a canvas and show the world that I actually knew how to paint. But it just didn't Mm. seem like it. Well, and also I was a, I mean, I, I had six boys in a 10 year span. Yeah. So I'm a mom of six boys. Holy cow. And my oldest is 19 and my youngest is eight. So we were just oh, kind of busy, right? Between church planting, yeah, church planting, school starting. And, um, and those are both local ministries that require a lot of work and a lot of um, relationships and a lot of counseling at home and a lot of things going on. So we were ministering locally. I was just trying to keep my babies alive and like learn how to be a mama, which, you know, so much of that season was nuts, but so good for my soul. And I talk about it a lot because nobody knew I could paint. Nobody knew that I had artistic Mm -hmm. um, abilities. And during that season, that was almost 14 years ago, I started a blog called Grace Laced because I literally was like, I, you know, wasn't because I was trying to make money from it. Nothing was going viral all the time. I was literally just saying, my life is so mundane so not what I expected. I have all these giftings, everything from, I was supposed to be a, you know, biochemist to, (laughs) I also got an art degree and I wasn't using any of it. And I was like, how does God's grace actually intersect a person's everyday life when you're not out there on the mission field, when you're not some like public speaker or not anyone special, you're just picking up Cheerios off the ground and sorting the Legos once again, again and again. Right. And so I started a blog called Grace Laced and it's still called Grace Laced, but it's morphed now years later um, into an e-commerce site and a lifestyle website where I get to do Grace Laced um, as a company full-time now. But um, I think our mutual friend, the Nestor, as in Michael and Smith, ran a 30-day challenge October 2013, I think she used to do that. It's like kind of one of those blog hops. Remember those? Yeah. Um, my 30 day challenge at that time, because I was blogging regularly, it was just a discipline. And just as an aside for anyone listening, like, how do I do what you're doing? I always say, just do something for a lot of days, maybe a whole year in a row without trying to be known for it. And you'll get really good at it. But, um, yeah. I was just doing this thing where I was just committing to the craft and, um, my topic that I chose for myself was drawing near. And I was trying to be Mm. cool and like fun about it. I was like, I'm so funny. And I'm so funny. (laughs) Like I'm drawing near to the Lord, but I'm going to like draw something every day. Right. That's just a little cheesy, but at the time it was like, Oh, let me just draw something for 30 days and write a little bit about it so that I don't have to like write full on blog posts. Well, I was on Instagram at the time, just kind of recently got on at that point. And wouldn't you know, my drawing for 30 days straight and writing little thoughts to go with it essentially built the foundation that turned into my Mm. first book, Grace Laced, which um, was me saying, hey, publishers, I know you don't do this, but I'm trying to write strong biblical content paired with really beautiful pages that cause the reader to linger long. So it's not just having clip art, not just having some flourishes, but I really want to do artwork and I can prove it because people are lingering at my Instagram account, trying to get the artwork and the writing at the same time. So, you know, it's a full circle ladies. It was really that I thought I was never going to use these skills. I thought these are just, these are hobbies. They're not going to be used Mm -hmm. for the kingdom. They're not going to be anything of 
leadership or any, it's not going to influence people that I paint or write. I mean, I just, it's a hobby. And when I was able to stop thinking that it was those giftings were for me, like for me to make something of myself. Mm. And when I started just creating so that I could just kind of overflow out of my daily mundane, slightly boring life, that was when it spoke to people and the request to purchase, the request to have more of it, the request to read more, that's when it came about. And in that season, my youngest um, was now well cared for by older brothers. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the doors opened up for me to go full time and, and really dig into this new season of life. So that's a lot of years condensed in a quick, a quick that's um, awesome. narrative. <laughs> Shauna, you did that. You did a 30 day, didn't you? You did 30 days to open along with the Nestor in October one year. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, I was opening a store that needed fully, fully being renovated and it was a nightmare. So I did. Yeah, I did 30 days to open and it was it was such. And I think you're so wise for saying that, you know, because we Marion and I talk about that a lot. You know, just do the thing, do the work, like quit worrying about how you're going to get there and how it's all going to come together and how will you grow your audience? Do the thing, put the thing out there, you know? I love it. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, it's such a good challenge to do, to do for yourself. So that's, that's really cool. Well, and I love that you started it as something, you know, that was, it it was just the challenge and it was just, I'm just going to do this thing that I've wanted to do. I'm just Mm going to do it. And it wasn't about, I want to go viral. I want to have books. I want to make money. Because I think there's that pressure for people now since being an influencer and a blogger and all this has become a, you know, a big business and a a legitimate profession and all Mm -hmm. of that, that there's that pressure to be, um, you know, professional and profitable right off the bat and not give yourself time to grow. So sometimes, you know, artists are creating or painting for the market. And while I will say now, as the artist still behind Grace Lace brand, it's not that I'm, um, it's not that I don't fall prey to that pressure sometimes. That still sure. happens at times. But I will say the amazing thing is when you create out of the overflow of what you think you need to remind yourself, which is why I like to say preaching to my own heart, when you kind mm-hmm. of create things out of, hey, I needed to hear this today. This is what I created for me then you actually reach people in a better way than if you did crowdsourcing, just trying to find out what people like. And so, yeah, when I first started and did those 30 pieces where I just painted something and literally took my phone and my simple phone back then, you know, how many generations ago and did my first (laughs) flat lay photo. um, Not a lot of people were doing flat lays then. It wasn't like everyone's taking pictures of their desk. And I just stood up from that nap time paint session with the boys and boys hands were on the table as well. And I just take a quick pick. Mm. I never thought I would reproduce that artwork to sell it because it wasn't, that wasn't the goal. I wasn't trying to make money. I was literally just saying, you know what? I'm going to discipline myself to paint or draw for 30 days straight. And I got better. I, I mm. learned some things and I, I grew the way I shared about it. And um, I'm still growing now, you know, there's no arriving here, but um, I just, sometimes I have to remember that even now to tap back into, am I creating this out of the overflow of my heart or am I creating this so that I can get further? Getting further is never a good motivator. It actually cramps your style. It weighs you down. It 
restricts your creativity and ultimately binds you to a kind of hustle that makes creativity just cease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We well, love that. that. <laughs> yes, we do. That You're language. speaking yeah. our language, definitely. I'd love to ask about, I, I thought this was a really interesting thing that you brought up about your book, um, the first book, and about doing artwork combined with this a biblical message, and that that wasn't really out there. And so you essentially created a product that publishers didn't know the market wanted. So I'd love to hear, because I actually in the last episode, we're talking about getting published and we're talking Mm -hmm. about how the book business is is ultimately a sales business. Mm -hmm. If the book isn't going to be profitable, they don't want to put it out. So I'd love to hear that process of how you um, you know, communicated that vision mm-hmm. and that you're seeing this being received on your own platforms and then how that turned into a published book. Cause Sean and I both know that can be a, that can be a tough sell, yeah. especially if you're creating something that's really, there's not a, uh, you know, here, let me show you all the comps and all the examples Mm -hmm. of other books that have done really well that are in this format. I love that you're asking this question. And I think, um, I don't know that anyone's ever really dug in. And this is really fascinating topic for me. But um, at the time that I was looking to be published, I was like talking to publishers. We had just come out of a time where bloggers who were just popular, but may not really have had a message or really even wanted to write, were getting published and their books were not necessarily doing super well. And so some were, some definitely were, but you know, there was that season several years ago, mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago, where everyone with an audience online was getting published, whether they were really trying to write books or not. And so um, it became a quick numbers game rather than a message game, right? And so I remember sitting down with publishers and basically what I heard over and over again, because nobody in the industry wants to take risks that involve dollar signs, right? And so right. what I heard over and over again was, well, people usually release a trade book first. So think paperback, 12 chapters, 50,000 words, because a paperback is affordable to make. It's cheap, it's black and white. It's if you just stick a paper, you know, it's, it's bound paperback. It's, it's, it's just easy and it sells easily. Um, and they said, if you do that first, maybe we can do a full color later. And I think only three publishers were even willing to really talk to me about the book mm-hmm. that I wanted to write. I showed up to those meetings with photos, with screenshots of my Instagram account. I gave them lots and lots of data of how my audience had risen to respond greatly to the visual that was affirming the writing. So meaning you can keep a a piece of writing pretty short if the visual is already taking you. It's it's a vehicle that helps you um, experience what you're writing more. So, So instead of a trade where you're describing an entire narrative or you're giving the context to a whole story, I was trying to write short pieces that were partnered with um, something visual, something delicious to like set your eyes and your mind on. However, you'll, you guys will um, hopefully find this amusing when I say I did not like it when they said that my book was going to be a devotional or a gift book. Those two were like bad <laughs> words to me because at the time they said, oh, so you want to write a gift book. Okay. Well, in their minds, a gift book at the time, and, and just so you know, like, I'm not saying this 
oh, I really am not saying this to toot my own horn, but I have been told by people that I did kind of create a genre in the industry, that my book actually paved the way for every publisher wanting to do full color hardback now, which now I don't have to convince anybody to publish my full color hardbacks. But at the time, it was like three publishers who were even somewhat thinking about it and only like maybe two who were serious, you know, and um, and gift books. And they those publishers were known for light writing gift books that sometimes came with a mug or a teddy bear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm being really stereotyped. I mean, I'm, try- I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt any feelings. I'm just saying a lot of that writing and a lot of those books were really just like cute books that you might find on a gift shelf and it's really no substance. And so I couldn't refer to anything that actually looked like what I was trying to do. I was like, why do Christian women have to choose between sound doctrine and good content and something beautiful? Why are the folks mm. at Anthropology and Pottery Barn getting beautiful aesthetics, but then we have to have ugly books that yeah. like, oh, if we want to read yes. a really good book, yes. like, got nothing or like, really dumb clip art that you've seen in three other publications. I just, I couldn't stand it. I was like, why are the good, or I also can't stand when somebody says, that's really great for Christian art or a Christian book. Mm. And so I was like, there's no reason. There is no reason why the beautiful books belong to Chronicle Books or belong to cookbooks at Anthro. Why do we not have a Christian equivalent, which now I can embrace the word devotional. If you call Beholding Becoming a Devotional, I won't wince because now I've chosen to pave the path for what I mean by devotional. What I mean by devotional for me, I don't mean that there's no room for chicken soup for the soul. I'm just saying for me, what I mean is I'm not going to tell you a quick story and apply a verse to it. I'm actually wanting to go deeper than that. Doesn't mean there's not room for teddy bear accompanying devotionals. I'm just saying for me, that's what I wanted. And so I had to work hard at convincing the the industry that I knew what I was talking about. And there were many meetings, ladies, many meetings. I I'm so, I will be eternally grateful that Harvest House took a chance on me. I was a first time author and they were known for beautiful full color books, but they will even say they were not known for this kind of full color book, mm. not something that sold like a trade book. My first book, um, Grace Laced at 29.99 sold a hundred thousand copies by year one. And that's just not wow. normal for that kind of book. Right. Um, it was, it won the Christian book award within a few months. You know, it was just, there's just so many things that were unexpected, but I think it just goes to show you women were tired of being fed either fluff or, Hey, beauty has to come in just faith inspirational, but nothing of substance. And there's room for every kind of book. I just happen to want to occupy a space where somebody can go a little bit deeper and still keep that book out on the table, have every guest open it and say, wow, this is really beautiful. And then, whoa, there's something substantial in terms of the message. So I'm super grateful that I've been part of that journey. Now, obviously, I definitely don't think that I invented anything. I just think I came in at the right time at a time where some people needed convincing and I was passionate enough to convince them. And now that's just made opportunity for a lot of full color substantial books that don't just fit into a quick home decor or a quick recipe book but that can be a marriage of multiple content features right that a beautiful book with home decor can also be soul inspirational we can have both things at the same time yeah yeah man so good so good (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, and it's so smart because, you know, we are attracted to things because of the visual. And so I I think it's such a that and that's one reason why I bought Beholding and Becoming, because I'm like, this is just not only is it just really good, solid content, but also uh, I loved the artwork, everything from patterns to then just kind of like a single piece I mean I just I found it incredibly inspiring Mm -hmm. just to look at and enjoy kind of being with that book Um, and then so when striving cease that's the new book Mm -hmm. coming out and that one is at least the one I have is a soft cover is it actually a hardback no it's oh is it I have a hardback (laughs) yeah and I also because I'm an aesthetic person I asked for colored in sheets and then look at the gold foil on the hard case (gasps) Is that beautiful? Oh, it is beautiful. I really did think it was important for an Asian American author who's telling a bit of her Asian American story to be on the cover and show that. And plus, I just didn't I didn't want my reader to be confused and think that this is another full color watercolor. And so um, we tried not to skip too much on the artwork, but it is only two color. It's not a watercolor book. It's a lot of drawings and stuff, but they're all still hand drawn artwork pieces in there. So cool. But I haven't had the chance to read the whole thing, but some of the stuff I've come across already, like, first of all, I think it's such a timely book. So thinking of when striving cease, and we, you know, I recognize that as part of, part of words to Mm -hmm. a hymn in Christ alone. And, Mm -hmm. um, but just even thinking about that, like the, the time that we're in and the climate that we're in, imagine just not striving anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and I think immediately, like what a book for this time, because I think we're really in that, you know, where we, where we're on electronics all the time, where, you know, we're forced to sort of be competitive and to, Mm -hmm. you know, to grow and all that stuff, like this hustle, hustle mentality, girl boss, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff is really prevalent out there. We actually, I like sort of hate that whole thing. She gets super worked up every time we bring it up. Isn't it wild ladies that even um, among women of the church, I think that's why I felt like it was really important to write this book because you kind of think that it's out there. You're like, who would ever subscribe to self-help or like hustle, hustle? Are we so tired? But sometimes you ask women at the church and you just talk to the gal that you're sitting next to on Sunday morning and she'd say, I'm so exhausted. I feel like I can't measure up. Mm. Where's that coming from? Why are we feeling that way? And why is it that the bestsellers on so many of our book lists really have to do with you optimizing and being the best version of you. Like you're just, Mm -hmm. and there's always this dangling carrot of if you just try a little harder and do these five more things, the algorithm will like you, your followers will like you, you'll make more money, you'll have a more fulfilled life. And then usually the author is like, like me, you know, you'll have the stuff I have, or you'll feel like I am and you'll feel successful and like your life has purpose. And I'm not sure if we're calling it out in the church to even say, it's not truly that it's not truly fulfilling at all when you are made for something that striving can't produce. It just can't. So we can keep trying and we can keep running that hamster wheel, but I'm just here to really speak specifically to my sisters in Christ. I hope that non-believers will pick up the book and I've written it in a way where hopefully anyone at Target will just pick it up and not even realize what they're getting. But to my sisters in Christ, I really just want to say, ladies, 
it's been it's been like laid out for us, it's unfolded for us perfectly in the scriptures to show us that it is not our good works that save us. It is not our religious efforts. It's not even you being better version of yourself. Christ wants to make you completely new and we're forfeiting the freedom that comes from that when we keep chasing the next thing to make ourselves just a little bit better, faster, prettier, more likable, more worthy. And what difference, what would it be like if women were to lay our strivings down and say, that's enough, like we're done. Like this is ridiculous that I keep subscribing to this. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wrote down, you're talking about the very section that I kind of highlighted, yeah. how you talk about wrestling with enoughness. Yeah. And um, I love how you say, like, you know, it's ridiculous for me to even say this out loud. I mean, what is this middle-aged meets middle school? <laughs> right. And I loved that because I think when you're talking about, I mean, any you can drop a, and most of our audience is, is women. So we'll say you drop a woman in any kind of environment, whether it's, you know, you're volunteering at school, you're homeschooling your kids, you're doing work um, at your church, you are trying to start a creative business, you are just sharing a hobby on mm-hmm. Instagram, and just how that can be such a prevalent thing of wrestling with enoughness. Am I, am I good enough? Do people like me? Do I have enough likes that do people show you about a baby shower? Right. I mean, do we as women immediately walk into a baby shower or bridal shower with women that you may not be best friends with 25 women and everybody's so quick to be like, how do I compare to somebody else? Do I know enough people? How do I, did I dress right? Like we have so many of these pressures And we're constantly measuring, right? We're just, we don't say it out loud, but we're constantly measuring ourselves against even our own standards or somebody else's. Yeah, always, always. And it's such a daily practice to choose, oh me, this could could go in so many different directions. Like we could go... But it's like feel like you're getting ready to preach, Shauna. I know I am. <laughs> but it's it's just like there's just something, and and to me, even though like when striving ceases, that signifies rest. And there is just something about like what about a rested woman? You know, yes. like yes. what about a rested woman? A woman yes. who knows. Um, that she is enough, a woman that walks in a room and is comfortable in her own skin, a woman who knows a nap is okay, that laying down with her kids is okay, that, you know, not growing by 25% in the last quarter of the year is all right, you know, whatever. It's just Mm -hmm. that mentality of just, like, let, let someone rest and just be. Like, I, I don't know. I'm on that. That This is my decade for that. I have been on it lately. I cannot get enough of it. Um, so I love I love the sound. I, I can't wait to get my copy. Robin's going to send me one. So, yeah, anyway. But it's, um, it's so important because I think, I mean, we especially with, you know, the coaching groups, and, of course, that's more in the creative business owner side. Um, but it's the same thing, you know, that yeah. people are – we, we talk about it every week, you know, how to avoid that feeling, how to avoid, you know, how to set boundaries around it um, and feel powerful within yourself without being consumed by power. That's yeah. different. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and if I'm honest, I would say, I mean, the reality is we're not going to rest 
and get up tomorrow morning and say, because I'm a rested woman and I'm going to lay my strivings down, I'm going to ignore all my emails. I'm not going to go post and share about the sale. I'm not going to feed my kids because you know what? I'm not going to strive any longer. They're going to figure it out. No, we're not doing that. We're getting up in the morning and we're, we're business owners or we're, we serve at the church or whatever we're doing. We have to continue at the work we're doing, but why we do it makes all the difference. Right. And so to all of us who, because the three of us are all creative entrepreneurs, like we're, we're literally preaching to ourselves because we get up every day with a list of things that we do need to do to be faithful in the areas that we've been given. Right. But why we do them, what fuels our efforts Um, I like to say that the biggest change in my life came when I stopped striving for grace as in like striving for favor, striving for approval or worth or belonging or welcome, but that I was striving in grace. There's a big difference between striving for something and striving because you already have that. And so nobody can make you take on your identity in Christ. You have to receive it yourself. And so when striving cease is really when you actually truly understand the fullness of what you've been given in Christ. And that makes all the difference, but you can't take my word for it. Ultimately, you have to see what God's done for you, you know, and why, why, why in Ephesians 2, he says that Paul says, you know, not, that's not your work. You haven't done anything to deserve it. Um, but you've been created for good works, but everything comes as a gift from God. And how different would our day be responding to emails, feeding our children, helping out at the church, running our businesses? How, how different would our days be if we started the day off with a greater view of God and what he's done than our capability and our ability to hold our lives together? You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We yeah. can't hold them together. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love to hear, Ruth, how, so in the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about kind of the expectations that you felt really just sort of from your community and, um, you know, whether those were perceived or real, that's kind of Mm -hmm. what pushed you in your life. So I'm curious now your perspective of it, where you stand today, Mm because I, you you obviously wanted to write this book to be able to share that journey with others, mm-hmm. to be an encouragement. And so I'd love to hear now looking back, like kind of, yeah. I guess, what, what would you, what would you say to yourself or to yeah. someone in that position and kind of how do you, what's your perspective on it now that you've, yeah. you have taken that path that was not the, the norm, <laughs> not the yeah. expected one, yeah. the one with the low expectations. Mm-hmm. And now you've, become, you know, you have a very successful business, you're a best-selling author, your artwork is highly sought after. So what's your perspective now on all of that? You know, so now that I'm a mama to a 19-year-old and I am constantly having conversations with them about college and career path and things like that, I, I recognize that the aspects of my upbringing where a lot of um, emphasis was placed on performance and achievement um, if you're in, I'm not even an Enneagram person, but I know that people talk a lot about achieving and that performer in, in a three, if that's like the bent of your culture or the bent of your, your personality, um, it's not wrong to seek excellence. It's not wrong to want to do the best that you can possibly do where it's debilitating and endless as a goal 
is when you think that you're, you're being loved and you're being welcomed and accepted is tied to whether or not you can make everybody happy. So the issue isn't that a parent or um, a community or even a cultural perspective is one that says, go for it. Like be a neurosurgeon that helps solve cure issues, you know, like, or, or cure cancer. Yes, go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with aiming for these things. It's just when there's a sense to which um, we portray to our children or we somehow have this expectation that if you're not super amazing, you're disappointing and disappointing people don't deserve time, attention, respect, or love. Mm. And that's what we actually get from a holy God when we are not impressive, when we haven't made all the right choices, when we've failed. And that's the very state in which Jesus rescues us. And so there's a huge juxtaposition there. And so for me now, um, yeah, it, it's, I have to explain, like, I think where I'm at in life right now is a reflection of, yes, I'm still a hard worker. Yes, I still care about reaching goals. I don't have a problem with running a business and making money. I'm not sitting back going, whatever is fine. I'm still working at growing things. But where it's coming out of, praise God, is not a place where I'm fearful and constantly scared that I'm going to have a life that doesn't count. I'm going to be a disappointment to my family. Um, No one's going to respect me, that I'm not going to be loved. It's actually coming from a place that says, if nobody buys my artwork, I still know who I am. If nobody follows me on Instagram, I still love the work that I do. If nobody agrees with me, I'm unshaken because my identity is in Christ. That is a freedom that actually makes you strive in a different and almost better way. I'm not striving because I'm anxious to produce the life I want. I'm striving because God already has done that. And I'm just giving it back to him in excellence. So with that said, just on a practical level for all our mamas who are listening, you know, the difference is I don't tell my son, Hey, it's okay. You don't have to make money. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to do anything. But I also, but, but when I say, Hey, I'd love for you to apply yourself and get the best degree you can get double major. If you want to, I would love for you to seek this career path. I would love to see you do these things. But when I say that, I'm saying that in conjunction with, because God has made you so unique and so special. You have a brain wired for engineering. And I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not sure what you're going to do with that. But should you choose to use your math skills in this way, you could do a lot of good and bring a lot of glory to God. And so that's different than you need to go to Stanford and get your degree right. or go to right. MIT and get your degree in engineering, right. a lot of money and earn a lot of respect. Do you see the difference there, right? Totally, so, yeah. And I'm saying not every mom is going to struggle with that. Some of us don't struggle with her expectations, but I happen to be somebody who wants to shape every aspect of my life and want to be like controlling about things. And so striving is that control that says I need to make the outcome that I want to happen. But when you lay your strivings down, you're saying, I trust God to create the outcome that he has for me. I don't have to work all day, every day to try to create that anymore. Mm. Yeah, what a liberating um, message to, you know, if you can really, and and I imagine you would say this as well, that it's a daily 
practice. It's Absolutely. Every- that, that there are times yeah. when you oh, kind of, yes. you're like, nope, I'm striving today. Oh, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I tend to think that it's, um, it goes without saying that I'm a work in progress. But I think sometimes people think that if you've written a book about something, you must be right. like over it or, or that it's a You don't have book. it all figured out, really? <laughs> and you know what? The book isn't, um, it would be a form of self-help if I gave you 10 quick, easy steps to overcome your striving. no. Striving is on this side of heaven. It's going to be our natural propensity, no matter what. And so the only way I know to combat it every single day is to wake up and seek the Lord and say, okay, God, you've given me breath today. I want to be more in awe of you today than be in awe of my own abilities. And if I can start there, it usually turns my day towards the right direction. And when I, you know what, man, when I go and have a day where I'm like, Oh my goodness. If I don't do these 10 things, everything will fall apart. Everybody's counting on me. Well, that striving moment means that I have to preach to myself and say, okay, self, what do you think is so scary here? That if you don't do it perfectly, if you don't get this done, things will fall apart. Usually it points to me thinking that my happiness, my feeling good and secure about my life, my assurance that everybody loves me is dependent on my performance. And that's the moment when I can like, just kind of call myself out and be like, if you weren't made for that, let's start over here. You know? Yeah. Reset. Reset. Absolutely. Reset. Yes. Yep. It's daily all the time. Totally get it. Totally get that, man. Yeah. Crazy. It's an, it's an awesome message. And I think yeah. very timely, but also yes. timeless, also age, age mm-hmm. old, definitely. Um, I'm so glad we got to talk to you today about all of this. I think that it's going to be, so I would encourage you guys, first of all, to check out her books. Not only are they beautiful, but they're just really encouraging. If you're a question, who doesn't like, who's sitting around saying, no, I don't need any more encouragement right now. I'm all good. good. (laughs) Um, Then you should definitely check out one of her books. So her new book is When Striving Cease. It comes out October 12th. So it's been out for a week when this airs. And um, so go go check it out. But then she also has, so I know you have Beholding and Becoming and Grace Laced. Do you have any other books that I'm Uh, missing? My husband and I wrote a family devotional together called Foundations, 12 Biblical Truths to Shape a Family. And we just help, help families begin the practice of family worship and discipling their kids. Yeah, okay. So you want to check out those books and then um, where else can they find you online? What's the best place to find you? Well, I try to converse and encourage daily at on Instagram at Ruth Joe Simons, R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S. And um, my team and I continue to blog and um, put out good content at gracelace.com where you can find my artwork and creative um, endeavors as well. So thank you guys so much for having me on today. Thank so we have one more question for you and I need to apologize because I didn't prepare you for this. And (laughs) usually I do. It's all good. Okay. So we, at the end of every episode, okay, we're super into our, (sighs) our supplies, our art supplies, office supplies, yummy pens, great paper, notebooks, all that. Uh, So we share a creative contraption at the end of every episode. And when we have guests, we ask them to share something with us that is their favorite, you know, their favorite little thing to use. It can be an electronic device. It can be big, it can be little, but just something that you use in your creative work that you're like, I need to share this because it's so awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, on the spot. That is a little, that is a little <laughs> tricky. It is a little on the spot. Um, honestly, one of the things that I just, I don't use one of those um, really affordable Amazon cell phone holders. I use a tripod with a swing arm and it just stays up all the time. It's a little bit of an investment, but I find that if I just plan on taking video of me painting, I'll never regret it. Even if it's bad, even if my artwork turns out bad, but what, but recording that process saves you a step because you're already doing the work. And if you are a creative entrepreneur or a content creator, you need that video later. And so I've purchase several of those Amazon clip to your desks, you know, mm. arm over and that's fine in a pinch, but usually they're like bouncing or they're, or they're sliding around or they're not in the right spot. And so just get a tripod with a swing out arm that you fix, um, stays in place. And so then you, uh, I just have it over my desk all the time. And so it just makes it really simple to record your work because now as a creative, whether your medium is, you know, mixed media or drawing or painting, whatever you're doing, even if you're embroidering and at a table, we're no longer one-sided in our artwork. In order for you to share your message and your work, you're always going to have to have a way to show the process and bring people along. And the best way to do that is not just that one moment on Instagram live, but to make a record of your process so that other people see in this digital world that it's not just ta-da, but that you created something in process. So make it yeah. easy for people to join your journey. Yeah. Mm, I That's love great. that. That's a good one. Yep. That's a good on the I spot. Do that too. Yep. That's a good on the spot. Just yep, constantly yep. Good, filming. Good sometimes well I'll say, you. yeah, that's right. Sometimes I'll say, okay, no, I can't do it because I just want to go slow. But most of the time I just I turn you. it on. You Sean, know? I feel the exact same way. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I don't really want to record this because I want to go fast. But then in that yeah. moment, you're thinking about the final product. Don't think like that. Just go no. be yeah. and be have an honest representation yeah. of what it really takes, even if you crumple up the paper and start over. And yeah. just let the I mean, it's yeah. digital. Let the film roll, right? Let the, yeah. Let the, yeah, it's fun. Capture it. So you'll never regret it, having no. video of it. No. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for giving yes. us your time, Ruth. And I'm, I'm just really glad we were able to have this conversation and introduce Me you too. to our audience. And of course, we'll be following yes, what you we do will. on yes, Instagram we and all of that stuff Thank as you, well. ladies. The honor is all mine. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everyone. And we hope that you'll join us next time. Thank you for listening to the Creative Exponent podcast. Our original theme was written by A Walker Spring and recorded by Ellie Swope and Johan Wagner. And if you like the Creative Exponent, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us at www.thecreativeexponent.com. And you can also send us an email at hello at creativeexponent.com. 